Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Midtown Atlanta, it's time for Top Docs Radio, brought to you by Medical Association of Georgia. With over 7,800 physician members, MAG is pleased to advocate on behalf of Georgia's patients and physicians. Visit mag.org and on Twitter at mag1849. Join the conversation on Twitter at Top Docs on BRX. Hey, everybody, it is C.W. Hall. Thanks for checking out the Top Docs Radio Show. Over the past couple of years, I've been doing the Top Docs Radio Show. We've featured discussions on breast cancer a number of times from multi-specialty physician panels, as well as patients who are survivors of breast cancer. But something that we didn't really get into until this week's show was what about the individuals who go through breast cancer diagnosis and treatment only to discover that either they have a recurrence that is non-curable, that it is going to advance to metastatic disease. And these patients can often live a long time and, and they end up kind of in a no man's land with regards to how we treat them as survivors living with cancer, as well as patients who need to be engaged and informed about the treatment options that they have and how they can get on with their life, including continuing to work. This week, I featured Dr. Amelia Zelnack of Atlanta Cancer Care. She's a specialist who treats a lot of patients with breast cancer. And we got into the discussion about how do we handle as physicians and healthcare experts, as well as people in the community, talking to patients who are living with incurable and or advanced stage breast cancer. As one of the companies that produces a number of medications that are used heavily in breast cancer treatment, Pfizer has recognized that this is an issue that these patients need to be talked to directly, as well as engaged in their treatment options and that we as a community need to understand the challenges that these survivors face. They're, they're living out, and oftentimes many years after their diagnosis, they're just not going to get better. Their, their cancer is going to remain with them for the rest of their lives, and they're going to deal with it in some form or fashion throughout the rest of their lives. And yet it's possible to have some measure of quality of life during that time. And the folks at Pfizer started an initiative called The Story Half Told, uh, they actually have a website dedicated to this and how we as healthcare experts can engage with these patients, talk to them in such a way that they become educated about what's going on and, and can maintain some measure of hope, as well as having a very clear understanding about what is going on with them and their particular experience as persons living with cancer. Here's Amelia talking about some of the challenges these breast cancer patients face as they're trying to decide, do I keep working or what's my treatment going to be like? Check it out. Um, although we have made significant strides in, in treating early stage breast cancer, there unfortunately are still a number of patients that would have their cancer come back despite the best available treatment. I think it is hard for those patients where, you know, your everyday decisions about how long am I going to keep working? You know, what am I going to do, you know, with with my family? You know, all of those hard decisions that I think many people without breast cancer can struggle to make, right? Now, you know, one of the main impacts on, you know, how patients spend their time is is both, you know, the time that they need to go receive their cancer treatment, but then also the time that they have away from the cancer center, you want it to be as, as, as good as it can be. Um, so I think some of those workplace discussions are really um, challenging for patients where, you know, they many patients want to keep working. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to maintain that normalcy. They like their jobs. They have, you know, a community at work that's really supportive. Um, you know, many patients have health insurance through their work. And so that can impact, yeah. you know, the need to continue working. 
Um, you know, I, but then the questions around how much traveling do I want to do with work? You know, how much, you know, all of those, you know, what about this next promotion? Some of those questions that, um, you know, when you have a, a, a disease that you know is, is, is likely incurable, how do you make those same decisions or how do you make those decisions in that context? Stick around. I got the full interview with Dr. Amelia Zelnack coming up next. Good afternoon, everyone. It is C.W. Hall, your host here on the Top Docs Radio Show. Thanks for making us a part of your day today. Very pleased to have with me in studio Dr. Amelia Zelnack from Atlanta Cancer Care, an oncologist with the group that does a lot of work with patients dealing with breast cancer among others. And she's taken some time to join me in the studio. We're going to be sharing a little information about cancer uh, in the breast cancer patient and and particularly living with cancer because not everybody goes on to have that wonderful cancer-free cure, but they can also still have a, a long-lasting life that they can actually enjoy. And we'll be talking a little bit about that. So, I mean, thanks for taking some time to sure. join me here in the studio. Sure. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. I know you all have a busy office, so to have you here in the studio is great. And to get into the scope of what we're talking about with regard to breast cancer. From what I understand, it estimated as many as 150,000 to 250,000 people currently living with metastatic breast cancer in the United States. Correct. I mean, that, that's typically, you know, the number of patients that currently are living with metastatic disease. And that's a mix of patients that um, are diagnosed with stage four disease at the time of their initial presentation. And that really accounts for the smaller mm-hmm. percentage of that. That's probably five to 10% of patients when they're initially diagnosed have stage four disease. Um, more likely, um, patients had early stage disease, and then unfortunately, their cancer came back a number of years later. And you know, it can um, certainly be sometime in that first five years, but there are patients that have recurrences as many as 10, 15, sometimes even 20 plus years after their initial diagnosis. That's got to be frustrating. And I see as many as 30% of the women diagnosed with breast cancer go on to be in that class that you're talking about. They have a recurrence or they have a, they progress to that advanced stage. So, you know, it really depends on what their stage of presentation was and, you know, a number of different factors. But in general, um, although we have made significant strides in, in treating early stage breast cancer, there unfortunately are still a number of patients that would have their cancer come back despite the best available treatment. When we're talking about metastatic breast cancer, explain to the audience what we're talking about. Some of the folks tend to be physicians. As you, you mm-hmm. saw, we partner with Medical Association of Georgia, so a lot of physicians do check out the show. And we'll be able to potentially share some information with them how to interact with these patients as they're having some conversations. But also for the patient who's listening, because I think with the last few years of the Komen Foundation and all of that and the whole pink campaign. Everybody is very aware of breast cancer. Mm -hmm. I think that along with that, more people are getting diagnosed early and therefore they're getting to be cancer-free in that early phase fairly frequently. And many of those people are going on to remain cancer-free. So I think that there's been a measure of feeling that because we're doing so great with regards to breast cancer awareness, we got this licked practically. Well, and for many patients, that is true. But when we're talking about stage four or advanced breast cancer, we're referring to patients where the cancer is outside of the breast and the the lymph nodes that are in the area near the breast. So um, typically these are patients where the cancer spread to the bones or spread to the liver or, or the lungs or other areas outside the breast where, you know, we can't get it all out. And so um, those patients are treatable, but not considered curable. Okay. And from what I understand, I mean, for those patients, it's quite traumatic to to have that diagnosis. Or if you you look at the women that you talked about, they went through cancer treatment years ago, thought they had it beaten, and now all of a sudden here it's come back. That 
from an emotional and mental perspective that's very, very difficult for those folks. It is. And I think for early stage patients, when they are diagnosed, they come in and and we're able to map out a very clear treatment plan for them. You're going to have your surgery and then you might need chemotherapy and radiation maybe. And, um, you know, you're going to take some 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 pills that block estrogen, you know, and and we're able to map out exactly what their treatment plan is going to look like. For patients that have advanced breast cancer, you know, that treatment plan um, is very uh, different depending on, you know, the treatments that are available and then how the cancer responds and behaves. And so it's hard to really um, tell them up front exactly what, you know, what the future is going to look like as far as their cancer care goes. Well, from what I understand, Pfizer is a company that is a big player in the Mm -hmm. cancer treatment space, have begun taking a closer look at the issue around that element of the emotional and mental needs of that patient who is in the stage where they're in that incurable phase of Mm -hmm. cancer. They're going to live with it some period of time through the rest of their life and deal with that. And if it develops in other areas of the body, go through those types of of treatment. And, And from what I understand, Pfizer is really placing some focus on these folks to, with regards to how do we talk to them? How do we communicate with them? How do we make them feel included in, in that post-diagnosis period of time? They're, they're going through, we, we talked about before we jumped on the air today, how there's the survivors over here who feel like, hey, it's so far I'm cancer-free and, and life is great, but where do these people fit in? So I think it is hard for those patients where, you know, your everyday decisions about how long am I going to keep working? You know, what am I going to do, you know, with, with my family? You know, all of those hard decisions that I think many people without breast cancer can struggle to make, right? Now, you know, one of the main impacts on, you know, how patients spend their time is is both, you know, the time that they need to go receive their cancer treatment, but then also the time that they have away from the cancer center. You want it to be as, as, as good as it can be. Um, so I think some of those workplace discussions are really um, challenging for patients where, you know, they many patients want to keep working. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to maintain that normalcy. They like their jobs. They have, you know, a community at work that's really supportive. Um, you know, many patients have health insurance through their work. And so that can impact, yeah. you know, the need to continue working. Um, you know, I, but then the questions around how much traveling do I want to do with work? You know, how much, you know, all of this, you know, what about this next promotion? Some of those questions that, um, you know, when you have a, a, a disease that you know is, is, is likely incurable, how do you make those same decisions or how do you make those decisions in that context? Yeah, and, and I'm sure when you look at it from the chronic disease perspective, mm-hmm. like you say, it can be it could because it's we're going to be dealing with this going forward. It's going to be trips to the physician, maybe some treatments of different kinds mm-hmm. that are going to impede your your work, if you will. And so you have to have, I guess, a, a good employer that is going to deal with that and, and work with that and not make you feel like you're somehow a burden on them. I'm right. sure that's a tough conversation as well. It, it can be. And, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I've had a number of patients with advanced breast cancer continue to work full time. And I think, you know, those decisions, I, I think they always really, many of them have been supported in that, but it really does depend on the the workplace, you know, what their job actually entails. You know, are, is it a very physically demanding job where some of the side effects of the treatment may be more difficult to to manage? Um, do they spend most of the day at a desk where, um, you know, they may be able to keep up? But those are things that that on, for an individual patient, you know, who do they go talk to about that, right? Who is going to help them make those kind of decisions? Because as the physician, you know, we're really focused on what's the best treatment, right? What, are, what do we need to do in terms of the best treatment, the side effects, you know, all of those sorts of things. But then we also need to make sure that 
our, our, our goals of patients living as long as they can and having the best quality of life as they can, um, that those things, you know, that we really do need to consider some of these other um, aspects such as, you know, workplace, family support, you know, caregiver support, I mean, I mean, side effect, you know, symptom management, all of those things are really important for those patients. And one of the things that the the Pfizer paper that I was reading looked at, w- dealt with the physician conversations mm-hmm. that they're having with their oncologists as well as other physicians. But in this particular paper, they were talking about a study that they did. It wasn't huge. They interviewed a 22 women in the study, and they were dealing with metastatic breast cancer from across the U.S., and then they're also their oncologists, and they found three trends emerging from those patients, and that was that they didn't feel very engaged in the conversations with their physician in the office, that within the conversations, the oncologists tended to use vague or overly technical language. They didn't really understand exactly what they're, what are, what are they saying to me? What does this mean? Is this really bad or not? And then, of course, the severity of metastatic disease tends to be minimized by the doctors, I guess, because they it's an uncomfortable conversation and they don't want the patient to fret overly. So, so how do we how do we how tackle do you, that? Sure. And I think that is just a tough issue because as an oncologist, I think as a group, we're very optimistic people. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yeah. we, we really are because this is a you know, it's a, a tough area to be to be in with patients that that aren't always going to do well. And I think it's important for patients to re- remain hopeful. Right. That this next treatment might work. Right. They may get better. That they that the tumors, you know, in the liver may shrink. I mean, those are really, really important things. But then I think you also have to balance that with, you know, the reality that it might not work. You know, what's our next plan? You know, what are we going to do if it doesn't work? Um, it, you know, I, so I, and I think that's very treatment oriented. But I think, again, when you start talking about side effects of therapy, you know, well, it might work, but then it might also make you feel like this. Right. And I think having those informed discussions where patients I think are really more empowered to to understand, um, you know, what are the benefits and then what are the risks? You know, I think that helps them make better decisions about the rest of their life when they have a, a sense of, you know, well, I'm going to be coming to the clinic weekly for this treatment as opposed to every three weeks for that one. For some patients, that's really, you know, those types of things start to impact, you know, how they make decisions around their care knowing the impact that it's going to have, you know, at home or with their family. Mm-hmm. How do you, you've been a breast cancer surgeon or, or physician for a long time in your career and working with those types of patients. I mean, how do you individually, how do you approach that when, if, if Mrs. Hall is, is <laughs> sure. a patient with the incurable disease, you know, it, uh, it's one of those, you know, it's a stage four cancer mm-hmm. and maybe there's some metastasis already, maybe there's not, but you know that this is Right. This is the road we're on. How do you have that conversation? How do you approach it? I, you know, I think as we develop relationships with our patients over time, there are um, opportunities to really get a sense of what the patient's values are. I mean, you can you can gather that in, just in your conversations with them in the clinic. Um, yeah, I think, too, when you have anytime there's a, a, a time where you need to make a change in the treatment where maybe the scans don't look good, those are um, opportunities to really refocus and maybe regroup and and get a sense of where is the patient now because often once patients are on a treatment it's working well you know they 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 tend to think uh, you know for obvious reasons aren't as focused on um well, what do I do next right because they are they they know they're on a good path but i think at those times where um you need to make a change you know it's 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 always you know what's what's the right thing at this situation what's going on at home 
you know, those types of things, I think you always want to take into consideration. Now, how do you tell somebody this is not curable? Um, I, I've, I've learned through the years that honesty is actually um, is, is really helpful for patients. Um, I, I very clearly state with, you know, with just about every advanced breast cancer patient that I meet is, look, here are the goals. We want you to live as long as you can and feel as good as you can during that time. And, you know, for some people, that may mean many, many years. For others, it may not mean that long. And I think that's what's hard is that it's an unpredictable disease. You can't quantify, you know, mm-hmm. how long somebody's going to live. live. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we used to joke at my, my old office, we had a crystal ball that we kept back <laughs> in the it physician area. It was a magic. It was a crystal <laughs> ball. And I mean, it's, you know, I if only we could tell someone. And I, I think Advanced breast cancer, any type of advanced cancer is is hard because I think patients have to deal with that daily reality that they're going to die from something. Mm. But the reality is we're all going to die from something. Right. You know, so I think getting a handle on, you know, our mortality is something that, you know, breast advanced breast cancer patients and, and all advanced cancer patients should be thinking about. Right. Um, so how do you talk about that in an honest way? Well, you know, you I think. You tell them what's going on. You tell them here are the best options, and we're going to do the best that we can for you, you know, and 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 then you go, right? So I think there's a dose of that reality up front and anytime you need to make treatment decision changes. Um, but then to to be the physician and have a, nurses and, you know, the whole team come around and really rally around and support those patients, they feel cared for, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that makes such a big difference for them to feel supported and cared for and know that, you know, you are going to do the absolute best that you can, right? And if the cancer gets ahead of us, well, you know, that's the cancer's fault, right? I mean, we couldn't, you know, we did our best. So, I mean, I think it's really challenging, though, with these patients, you know, because how do they go to the work that day, right? Yes. How do they, if they've got young kids, how do yeah, they, gotta you know, go to softball practice I, they, yeah, they got to go to softball practice, you know, they got to, they got to <laughs> get dinner on the table. Yeah. You know, all those things that, you know, we struggle with is, you know, in, in day-to-day life, you know, these breast cancer patients are dealing with that plus their treatment, plus, you know, all these other demands, you know, and just the reality that they've got something that's, you know, that's a, really a tough disease. We've spent a few minutes together now, about 45 minutes yeah. or so since you were here in the studio. And I've gotten the sense of your vibe. I mean, you're a kind person, you know what I mean? Um, it's clear that you would be somebody that would feel something when sure. you're dealing with that situation. What's it like for you as a person? You're getting ready to walk in the room. You've got this diagnosis in your hand. It's the first time we're going sure. to talk about it. How is that for you? What's that experience like for you as you have to take a breath and go, okay, let's, we, this is going to be hard. We got to go do this. How do you have, I mean, that's got to take a little bit of a toll on you well, in that moment. You know, I think having done this for long enough, I think I've learned that what I'm going through is is no way compares to what these patients are going sure. through, right? And I, I really, you know, extending compassion to patients and what's really difficult times is actually something I, I actually really enjoy and find rewarding. So I, um, it, it's, I, I really like what I do. I like what I do. The paper that we were looking at here with regard to Pfizer and, and the conversations around um, advanced breast cancer, incurable breast cancer, uh, having some recommendations for 
everyone that's a stakeholder in the process from the physician, as we've been talking mm-hmm. about here, to the patient and their caregivers, and then just general people in the community, like media and, and pharma and healthcare professionals in general, talking about goal being to empower patients and their caregivers to engage more actively in disease management. How, how do you see that? Do you say these are the options and, and kind of give them some measure of choice? Is that what we're talking about here, just to make sure that they feel like I'm having a hand in what we do? Sure. I think so. And I think as patients, um, I always love it when my patients come in with questions. You know, when they come in, they ask, what about this treatment? Or they've seen something online that looks really promising. And and they want to know, is that something that would be good for me? And Mm -hmm. I think as patients... um, I think physicians are, if they're asked questions, typically they'll, they'll want to answer them. Yes. And so, you know, empowering patients about talking about side effects or whether it's talking about, is there a clinical trial that's a good fit for me? I mean, all of those things, um, which I think is one of the goals of the the program, I think actually improves um, the patient experience. And I think it helps the physicians, you know, because if a patient doesn't have any questions, you think yeah. everything's going okay. That's right. You know, if they don't ask, well, then, you know, you. so I, I think it's really important for the patients and their family members to 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 come prepared to those meetings to really, I love it when they have a list of questions to ask, yeah. you know, because then they, they feel like they're getting their needs addressed. Um, you know, those things are really important for patients. I've heard it referred to as Dr. Google, but I mean, we have to admit <laughs> that, that, I mean, nowadays... The internet is a valid source of information, at least depending on where you go. Right. Please be on a um, reputable site. That's right. right? But, reputable. Uh, but, you know, be that as it may, I mean, obviously now pa- patients are looking into things. I mean, have you seen that's helped patients come with more questions over time since there's at least some places they can go to say, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? Since well, it's right in their hands. I think not just coming with questions, but, you know, you look at some of the patient stories that are of other metastatic mm-hmm. breast cancer patients that they can go and be encouraged by. Um, how other people are dealing with their disease, um, some of the resources available online with support groups or chat boards, which, you know, you got to be careful. <laughs> some of them are moderated more closely than others, yes. but, um, <laughs> you know, or, or looking at how do I, how do I figure out what clinical trial might be a good fit for me? I think that's a real area where patients struggle in looking for clinical trials because um, it can be overwhelming. There's so many studies available um, across the country you know, where is a study that's a good fit for me that I'm not going to have to travel, you know, you know, plane trip each time. You know, so those types of things, really, they can get good resources online. But mm. getting pointed in the right direction can often be the challenge. Knowing that that resource is out there, knowing the patient is going to probably go, even if you say do so or not. Mm-hmm. Do you, when you first sit down with a family and start talking about this is what we're seeing, um, these are some places you might want to check out if you do want to research, which we encourage you to look more into what you're dealing with. But here's some great places that will give you resource or information that is credible right? and not based on some particular agenda. It's just based on the current level of science that we have. Sure. There are a number of great websites. American Cancer Society has really good resources about the disease. If, certainly if you go to the Komen website, they're going to have good resources, breastcancer.org. Um, the Metastatic Breast Cancer Network has great resources on there looking at you know, awareness and support and things like that. So there are a number of the young women survive, you know, they're just, you know, there are a number of wonderful resources out there. I think it's just trying to find um, one that meets your needs. 
Oncologist Dr. Amelia Zelnack of Atlanta Cancer Care joining me in the studio. We're talking a little bit about the patient who's dealing with metastatic breast cancer and some of the conversations that are important to those patients to help them feel engaged in the process and have some measure of power, as well as just some of the language that we need to use to be frank, be honest, and be clear that this is something that you're going to be dealing with. It's not, doesn't look like it's going to go away. We're going to hold out hope. There's studies and tests and mm-hmm. Sometimes medicines will come out that change the game, but for now, this is what it looks like. Um, And we've been talking about the importance of, as a patient, making sure you do take that opportunity to be engaged, ask questions. And as Amelia was sharing, some good information about resources online that, that patients can go to to get some information about their disease, about the treatments that are available, things like that, so they can come in with questions and ask, how does this apply to me? How do you find in in this particular patient's the resources, like if you look at the Northside Cancer Center, they've got the, I can't now remember what the they call the program exactly, but it's it's where they have a number of those types of support groups you Check mentioned. Check out the Cancer Support Community. Yes, that's it. Um, you know, that's really a, a, great, um, a great resource. They have a number of, you know, support groups. They have a number of events that you can go to and, and, and be a part of that community. Um, you know, the metastatic breast cancer community is a little bit different because many of the breast cancer support groups are more focused on the survivors. Right. Um, and so, um, you know, I've had some patients be part of a metastatic support group. Um, and for some patients, that really works. Um, for other patients where they're really struggling to just to get to their doctor's appointments and manage their day to day, it can be hard to take out that time um, to go to those meetings. And that's where I think some of these um, support groups that are available online where they can, you know, because many of the metastatic breast cancer patients just have specific questions. You know, who else is on this medication? Are you having this side effect? And in a small group, they may not necessarily be able to get um, get the get their needs met. But not to say that they couldn't go. It's just the support groups for metastatic patients look a little bit different. Um, than early stage um, patients. But that resource is wonderful. Um, Many of our metastatic patients have questions about nutrition. That comes up a lot. You know, what should I be eating? What about Mm -hmm. these supplements? Um, And so we have um, some fantastic oncology nutritionists that are based in our practices where patients can go and and really get some guidance. You know, it's funny, the um, metastatic patients, many of them live for so long. I'm like, no, you need to take care of your diabetes. You know, yes. you know, you know, like you can't yeah. let your sugars run up to 300. Like you've got to go get this fixed, yes. you know? And I think because they have a, what's considered, you know, an incurable disease, they think, well, to the he- heck <laughs> yeah. with the diabetes, Woo-hoo. but it's like, no, Twinkies. no. So, I mean, <laughs> some of those other chronic diseases you need to continue to manage, but then for other patients that are struggling to maintain their weight, you know, the, the, the recommendations you would give to a, a healthy patient around their diet and calories and what they should be eating. I mean, I many times will tell patients, no, that milkshake might be really good for you. So, you know, I mean, I think meeting with a nutritionist can be really helpful. Our social workers are fantastic because we know what a toll it takes on these patients. You know, you know, they're missing time from work. They need transportation to and from the clinic. So, I mean, I think all of those, you know, aspects of their care that really, um, you know, really are, are so critical you know, for them to to have a good outcome or as good as outcome, you know, as we can, they've got to get there. So, you know, we've got fantastic social workers to help them along the way too. So, you know, there's a lot that we do to help support um, support these patients. What's what's available for the caregivers, the significant others, the family members? Sure. Are there similar resources for those and I folks? I think the cancer support community does have some caregiver mm-hmm. things and 
You know, that's a tough, that's a tough spot too, right? Because, you know, these patients are, you know, many times have physical needs um, as far as, you know, being able to, to do what they need to do at home. And, and then how do you not burn out your caregiver? And um, sometimes the caregivers are having to work more, you know, to make up financially for what the patient's not able to yeah. continue to do. So it's just, it's tough. But again, um, the social workers at our practice really are a, a, a key, um, really a key help and, and, and bringing the resources to bear for those families. What do you think? I know I, I need to get you back to your, to your office. Um, before we let you go, I mean, if you had something that you could advise your colleagues on the physician side of things, sure. this is how I would recommend we approach conversations around this mm-hmm. topic with your patients. Um, and, you know, for those folks that may just be listening because they're interested in the topic that may not be a physician, um, or maybe they're one of those either caregivers or a breast cancer uh, patient, w- what are some tips you'd leave for them before we let you go? I mean, I think for the physicians, um, you know, certainly to understand that many patients with metastatic breast cancer are living for many years. And so some of those other chronic medical conditions like high blood pressure, diabetes, you know, really we need to make sure that that those are, are, are well managed, I think is, is key. I think, you know, for the patients, I think, you know, the, the key thing is don't lose hope, right? You know, there are new treatments coming out every day. There are clinical trials that they could look at, um, you know, and I think that's a key thing as far as um, getting access to the new cutting edge treatments, you know, often a clinical trial close to home, mm-hmm. um, you know, which we certainly have a lot uh, available up at Atlanta Cancer Care through Northside. I mean, those types of things just, and, and to just ask questions, you know, I think, you know, make sure you understand, um, you know, understand where you are and because and, that is going to help you make the best decisions regarding your care. And if you want more information about clinical trials that are available in the Georgia community, you can go to georgiacancerinfo.org. It's a, a great website. They list clinical trials mm-hmm. around the, the state of Georgia that are available that you could potentially participate in. You can inquire about those. Great resource there. Um, and for the Atlanta Cancer Care, is it atlantacancercare.com? Mm-hmm. And yes. I'm sure there's some social media links there sure. and good information along the lines you were talking about with regards to nutrition and the role it plays in your cancer um, survivorship or treatment, whichever the case may be. And if you want more information about the paper I was talking about that was put out by Pfizer, they have information on their website, Breast Cancer, A Story Half Told. Um, share some information both for the physicians out there in terms of some of these conversations mm-hmm. that we're talking about, as well as some advice for patients and caregivers as to how to approach um, being engaged in their treatment um, and their survivorship, whether it's with an incurable ver- version of the breast cancer or if it's one that may be for them, uh, one that they can uh, put behind them. So um, great sources of information there, and we're, we're certainly happy to share those. If you're coming back and you're checking out the podcast, if you're not done so already, make sure you get over to the uh, upper left-hand corner of the show page. You'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you to the iTunes store where the Top Docs Radio Show podcast is, and you can subscribe to us. That way, each week when the new episode comes out, it'll be downloaded straight to your device for the ride to work. For all the folks out there who made us a part of your day today, we want to say thank you very much, and we hope you turn around and share this information. You might just put it in the hands of somebody who it will make a great difference for, whether they're a breast cancer patient themselves, or maybe they have a loved one that's dealing with it, you might just share some information that would really make a difference for them. So we'll say thank you in advance for that. And 
I mean, thanks for taking some time to come down into the studio and, and talk about this. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And uh, to the folks over at Medical Association of Georgia, we want to say thanks so much for being a partner with us on the show, making it possible. And uh, everybody out there, we'll see you all same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. 